Welcome to Art, Nature, Science on the Binnaburra Cultural Landscape, the podcast that tells the story of the mountain's natural wonder through art making and exploring the creative spirit and celebrates the history and heritage of this magnificent world heritage area. My name's Michelle Walker and I'm joined today by Dave Groon. Dave's a professional artist based on the edge of Lamington National Park. He's been painting and drawing for 25 years and works in oil, pastel and charcoal. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Graphic Design and has held over 20 solo exhibitions in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria, including a recent show at my local gallery, the Tweed Regional Gallery. Hi, Dave. Hi, Michelle. Lovely to talk to you. I'm really excited about exploring your connection to art, to landscape painting and also to Binnaburra today. So tell us a bit about you know, your journey with landscape painting, were you always drawn to painting the landscape? Yeah, it's um, interesting. I, I always drew, um, which is sort of, I guess, the basic thing for a lot of artists is, is learning to draw. And as a child, I drew spaceships and planes and all the things that a young, young boy draws. And then I sort of started getting more interested in birds. I, I did a series of um, pencil sketches of birds and then gradually moved into the painting side of things. I guess, you know, painting is a little bit more complex, but having that that basic understanding of drawing, I think is really important when you then become an artist. Sort of the passion for painting the landscape developed more when I started traveling overseas, working as a tour guide and seeing other landscapes and realizing how unique the Australian landscape is. I spent a lot of time doing tours on the west coast of North America and some phenomenal landscapes, you know, Yosemite, Grand Canyon, Zion, Bryce, all of those grand scale landscapes, which had their own unique beauty, but I'd always come home and have this sense of how unique the Australian landscape is and how diverse it is, I guess. Um, And that's what really developed my passion in the early nineties to pursue a a career as a, as a landscape artist. You have mentioned some quite outstanding international landscapes. I think, though, there is something that we recognise that Lamington has as well. And I think, you know, you've really nailed it that it's just it's very different from what people see overseas. What about growing up connected to Binnaburra? Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that, that was a, a really big part of, I suppose, my development as an artist and, and just as someone who appreciates the landscape. Uh, it was my grandfather, Arthur Groom, who established Binnaburra in the 1930s with Romeo Lay. And then both my parents, Tony and Connie, uh, managed the lodge during the 70s and, and early 80s. Um, and that was a period where I was growing up. So I spent a lot of time at the lodge. And we were talking earlier about that that connection that we've both had with Lamington and Binnaburra and how as a child that's that can be a really special time um, I suppose you know you take a lot lot in when you're a child and discovering that that landscape and having people sort of guide you through the landscape and give you a sense of how important it is and how special it is one of the other thing interesting things about the landscape here is it's this unique mix of open forest and rainforest which um, you don't get everywhere and that that all comes down to the soil type and which came from the volcanic activity 22 million years ago and my studio is in the open forest, but only two kilometres up the road is the entrance to the park. And, you know, that's that's rainforest. So they're very different landscapes. They have a very different feel. And it's nice to have spent most of my life really exploring both of those landscapes. I like them both. What's interesting is 
depicting the open forest is a little bit easier in some ways because it being so open, so there's more light, there's more space. Whereas the rainforests, it's got incredible complexity and it's also quite enveloping and it can be quite daunting, you know, daunting in the sense of even just going into a rainforest. It's quite a powerful feeling. It's also daunting for an artist because you're in a situation where because you're enclosed by this forest and there's so much intricacy, it's, it can be hard to think of ways of depicting it. And I've found over the years, I've almost developed a different style in depicting the rainforest where I'll take the view of a bird where you're above the canopy. So you, you create that space and you're looking at the, the forest more from an aerial view, um, whereas a lot of the dry ridge eucalypt work I do tends to be more through the forest as though you're on the ground sort of um, looking at from that perspective. And that comes partly too because this, our studio is right on top of the ridge. So I look out the windows and, you know, mm. I've got it right there, which is pretty special and, and a nice thing to be able to have it around me all the time. It is, isn't it? It's a, a bit of a treasure that you've got in your back door. And that's interesting that you take two different perspectives, you know, for the, from the human viewpoint for your eucalypt forest paintings, which I've seen a fair bit of, and that you switch that around when you're doing your rainforest. Because I, I agree, rainforest is an incredible complexity of textures and shapes to try and render those can be quite a challenge. And I've actually got the aerial view, but that's because of my environmental planning background. I see the world as maps. So right. I, paint, I paint that way. So that's yeah. interesting that you paint from above, but from a bird's eye view. Yeah, I think so. I, I did a little bit of hang gliding too when I was in my early 20s, only for a short time. <laughs> that view is, is amazing. And when you're actually in the air yourself, taking that view of eagles and you know you'd, you actually fly with eagles you'd have eagles flying next to you sometimes yeah um, but quite a quite a different sense when you're up there and you've got that space so I guess it's partly probably partly came from that but yeah it's it's more imagining that you're a bird and that you're above the the landscape anyone who knows Lamington it's very mountainous landscape so by taking that perspective it's it's also a perspective that you could you could have if you were standing on a lookout you know, an open lookout and you're looking sort of away from the forest and into the valleys and the mountains that surround you. So it's kind of a mixture of that sense of finding an opening in the forest and looking through, but also maybe, you know, almost taking off from that point and, and getting more of a, a bird's eye view. Mm. You mentioned the rainforest and the open eucalypt forest and Binnabara also has that incredible montane heath, which is so very special around Dave's Creek area. That's one of my favourite drawing places is that been an area that you've gone and and pursued because it's got a great scale to it the heath you can kind of look down into the plants it's not so all-consuming with the yeah. rainforest no absolutely and I've done a I've done a few uh sort of major paintings of Dave's Creek um over the years and you're right it's it's a very different feel and even the way the track goes you know you can walk it from two different directions but I tend to walk it in a anti-clockwise direction where you start at the top of of the hill and you're looking down over the heath mm. um, and you get views to over towards Springbrook and and you actually get views down towards um, Byron so it's a very big open view and and very different plants as you say um, so it's got quite a different feel so I've done I've done a few pieces and nice to go out there in September when you've got the flowers so that they can become a feature in the work you know 
it's yeah. that sense of color and variety in the foreground. So it's yeah, it's definitely a a favorite area. And that's that's the wonderful thing about Lamington is that it does have very diverse forests. So you know you can you can sort of go with what what feels right at the time or or what you find appealing at the time to keep the interest up. You ran a three day painting workshop at Benabara recently. And I'd love to know more about how do you guide artists into understanding what they're looking at and how they might want to capture it from your point of view? That's a good question because I don't do workshops that often. And Renata, who uh, you know well and who's heavily involved this year in the Artists in Residence program, um, was great in that she sort of pushed me to do this workshop. And I, I hadn't done a workshop for, I think, three years but I enjoy it, but I find it quite exhausting. And I don't tend to have a particular way of teaching. I'll just see who turns up, see what their experience level is like. This one was aimed at people who'd had a little bit of um, experience, which was great. Uh, and it was a fantastic bunch of students. So we approached this one a little bit differently because Binnaburra, um sadly burnt down or the lodge burnt down two years ago. We went up to where the old lodge site uh, is to start with. And it's actually quite beautiful now the the lawns regrown and the landscape's all still there and that's what i wanted to to sort of start with with the students was to kind of remind them and a lot of them knew binabara knew the history but to remind them that the landscape hasn't really changed that much it's actually come back incredibly well after the fire uh, so usually i'll get people to do some really simple sketches to start with and just get them to sit in the landscape for half an hour or an hour just yep. so that they can actually have that time to take it in we were saying earlier how you know life is so rushed these days and it's so easy to get caught up on all these other things but by just sitting yourself on a rock with a sketch pad and a pencil for half an hour you can bring yourself into that area then i did some demonstrations just basically on ways of using color the importance of drawing, I, talk, I generally talk about the importance of drawing onto the canvas. I think it's very easy sometimes for, especially when you're starting out and painting, you kind of think, right, I've got my paint, I've got my brushes, I'll just start painting. But drawing is such a, a great tool in that you're creating a skeleton of what you're trying to create in the end. And it can, it can be simply four or five lines. If you're doing, say, some distant hills, you just have to draw those lines in and create a sense of balance quickly with a sketch. And then you can start painting and that that sketch gives you the basic balance of the piece sometimes so yeah we just did some basic sketching and then during the three days i ran through some different techniques um, i tend to paint usually the sky then the mid-ground forest and then the foreground in that order so with this workshop that's how i, pr I approached it and it's not so daunting then you know if you start with with the yes. sky it's pretty pretty simple you can just do a blue sky if you want um, so yeah, it's just bit by bit and I tend to just sort of go with the flow and, um, and then just make sure everyone's getting as much as they can out of it. Beautiful. And I understand, um, as you said, it, you held it in the pottery shed. That's a bit of a special place for you, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Binabara back in the 1970s had the creative arts, which were these incredible week or possibly two week mm. creative workshops and my grandma uh, Marjorie Groom was a, a potter and um, she was I don't, I don't actually remember whether she was involved in the creative art so much but she spent time in the pottery shed and we learned to pot from her so that was a, a great sort of introduction to that sense of creativity and how that you know you can anyone can be creative I think 
what uh, Marjorie sort of taught us was that it can be normal. You know, some people sort of see the creative process as something that's a bit special or you have to have the time for or you have to make the time for. But we grew up with her potting all the time. She used to make soup bowls and cups and things for Binnabara. Yep, I remember them. Do you remember them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Beautiful big soup terrines on the, on the table. Um, so that was what she did and that, that made it very normal for us in that sense that, oh, you can be creative and you can make it a real part of your life. Yeah. Um, and those creative arts days were amazing. We had um, we had Don Burroughs, uh, the flute wind player. Clarinet, um, playing, yep. Clarinet playing in our, in our lounge room. That was, that was his workshop space. And I think I was only about seven at the time. I didn't even know who he was, but I knew the music sounded good. <laughs> And I sat at his feet for a week because mum was my mum was a music teacher and she was in that one of those classes, the right. uh, Don Burroughs and James Galway. And I just remember as a kid just being enthralled. I could sit and watch them play and listen to them talk about their music. And you're right, Binnaburra had such a beautiful, vibrant creativity side to it. And I actually learnt to pot in that potting, pottery oh, shed. Okay. Your um, Roma Roma groom taught me how to right. do wheel throwing as a five-year-old and I've never had fear of pottery because of that it was you're right, right it was all about it was quite normal it was normal yeah. part of life that you did painting and you did photography and as well as tramping around in the bush it was a great, yeah. a great thing yeah I love listening to you talk about your teaching and I'm just curious now about what's inspiring you in your own practice what are you finding what ideas are you exploring at the moment I'm really enjoying all the rain that we've been having it's I mean it's it's kind of got to a point where we've always had enough <laughs> and you know you're from the Lismore area so of course it's been challenging for a lot of people but what I've really appreciated is since after the fires you know it's been a, a gradual um, regrowth of the forest and of course the forests up here have had fires go through them you know who knows hundreds of times over the last however many millions of years but it's very hard as as humans to appreciate that so you get a, an event like that happen especially when you lose iconic places like Binnabara and you know we lost eight houses across the road and our family lost two houses up at Binnabara as mm -hmm. well so you're dealing with all of those emotional things and, and that's all to do with history and and buildings and and your recollection of places but it's been really nice to see how well the the landscape has come back um so that's sort of what's been inspiring me really for the last at least six months we've we've just had some fantastic rainfall and the waterfalls are all flowing i just finished a painting a couple of weeks ago and it was during the the sort of the major flood time that they were having around the Brisbane area. And I had this real kind of sense of how well the natural landscape untouched deals with flood events because it's been dealing with them for a long time. So you've got areas that are completely vegetated. They've eroded away over millions of years. So there's not that there's not that top soil layer that you get with farm areas or, or floodplains. So the natural landscape is actually incredibly resilient to both flood and, and drought to a certain extent. You know, it can it can suffer in either, but watching the landscape over the last six months with all that rain, the natural landscape, mm. and just seeing how it just deals with it. And there's um, a whole bunch of cliffs that are on the side of Shipstone, which never have waterfalls on them, except when you get 300 mils of water in, in two oh, days. Oh, wow. 
So from the studio, we can look across to Shipstern and also up to where Ballinjui Falls is. And even Ballinjui, there's usually just one waterfall, but with a big rain event like that, you'll get three or four of these ribbon falls that flow on either side of the main falls. And the same thing was happening with Shipstern. So, so we, uh, we have two dogs, which we walked usually in the morning and afternoon. So we'd sort of be walking along the road and you'd, you'd hear the roar of the water down in Numabar Valley. And then you'd see these, these waterfalls just coming off these cliffs that you just never see waterfalls and they only last for two or three days. It's just while it's, you know, there's so much water mm. flowing. Mm. So the last big painting I worked on, it's very much just a, a view through the eucalypt forest. And then you've got Shipstone in the distance and there's just one fine little waterfall coming down off a cliff that, you know, it's just, it's just in the middle of the cliff line. It's not in a gully or anything. And it's just sort of commenting on that, that, um, sense that the landscape does take all of that those different environmental things uh, incredibly well because that's you know that's just how it how it works basically um so that's that's been uh, the the interest lately is lots of lots of waterfall paintings mm, i can see the connection there i'm with you about the resilience of the natural landscape and we see it in such a short time frame when we think about the formation of the Lamington Plateau and Springbrook and the whole of the scenic rim from Wollumbin, Mount Warning, and its volcanic eruptions millions and millions of years ago. You know, we see such a narrow time frame and, um, and yet the landscape's changing all the time at a bigger time mm. scale, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, that's right. I think that's one of the nice things about being a landscape artist is that you can, you're constantly observing the changes in mm -hmm. the landscape. And, you know, we've probably dealt more with drought in the last 10 years than flood. Definitely. Even, even the ridge where we are, which, you know, dries out very quickly when we haven't had rain for a long time. Um, we've got a lot of grey gums on the ridge and back in 2004, I think, I thought all the trees were going to die. They just lost all of their leaves and they looked in a bad way, but they came back. And those sort of things gives you a sense of how resilient the forest is. And I think living as a landscape artist, actually living in the landscape constantly, rather than, you know, going to visit the landscape to paint is a really important thing. And it, it's more of it just that very subtle, you're just taking it in all the time. So whether you're taking the dogs for a walk or you're looking out the window from the studio or you're just pottering around the property, there's always things happening around you. And that's, that's ten, that tends to be where I get most of my inspiration from. I don't, I don't usually sit down and consciously think, right, this is my next project. Yep. It's usually something will happen and I'll think, oh, right, I'll do a painting of that. And it'll be a rain event or it'll be a flock of cockatoos that fly over or, or, or something like that. And I think that's a good way to go because it's, it makes it more normal and, and natural. Then you just, you just sort of flow from one thing to the next. And the longer I paint, the more I, I realize it's better just to go with those instincts and just sort of let it happen rather than kind of plan too much. Uh, and even with the painting, I'm finding more and more, it's best not to think too much when you paint. Mm. Um, it's better just to let it let it flow. And you you have once you've been painting for a while, there's certain things that your mind will tell you as you're painting that this is this is not quite working or this is working, and you just have to follow those instincts. Plus, giving yourself time is a really important thing as an artist. Sometimes working on a piece, getting it to a point where you think it's pretty well finished, and then actually just leaving it for a week or so 
just in the background in the studio and work on something else just so that you can look at it every now and then without being with without that really critical eye allowing yourself to think right is it is it finished or you know do i need to do a few things with it so that having that time giving yourself that time is a is a really good thing i think as an artist yeah and you actually when you do look at it you then bring fresh eyes to the work and you might see something that does need a little bit more finessing or a little bit of change doesn't it that kind of works well oh. Absolutely. I think sometimes when you're in the moment, you know, you, you, you can be very focused and that's one of the beauties of, of any creative process. Anyone who's, who's involved in any creative mm. process knows that feeling of being lost in the moment and losing sense of time and space, which is sort of what it's all about. But there's also, you can sometimes be a little bit too intense and, and maybe a little bit too critical on what you've produced. So giving yourself that space is a really good thing in that you can step away and think, oh, actually, no, that's looking... That's looking okay. Yeah. And if you were to sort of cast your mind over the 25 years that you've been in a, a very strong creative mode, what do you think is the biggest message that you're bringing to your audience through your artwork? Um, I, I hope it's just the, the value and the, and the beauty of the natural landscape. Mm. Uh, I've, I've done, done some work of... Um, pastoral areas on Beachmont, which Beachmont itself is a very interesting place and has an interesting history. It's mainly dairy, far used to be dairy farming, but it, it's now more of a, a kind of a rural community with a mix of um, housing estates and, and citrus and avocado and those sort of things. So I have done paintings of that more rural landscape, but I suppose personally, I, I, I see the value and the and the beauty in the natural landscape and i guess it's just a simple thing of portraying that in my own way and um allowing other people to see that portrayal and you know if they get something out of it then that's that's fantastic but all i think all natural landscapes whether they're rainforest or desert environments or or arctic tundra or whatever they're all incredibly valued because they are natural landscapes they're quite becoming rarer, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and that's the beauty of somewhere like Lamington and the World Heritage Parks that, you know, take in this whole area is that they're protecting this incredibly rare and diverse landscape. And, and so to be able to portray that in artwork is a, is a wonderful thing to do. And if, and if people like it, then that's, that's a bonus. I totally agree. And I think your work sits right at the intersection of art, nature and science with your beautiful rendition of the landscapes. And Dave, I just want to acknowledge you for being a finalist at the Lethbridge Gallery Landscape Exhibition that happened in May this year. I think that was a fantastic outcome. Were you pleased with that result? Oh, it's great. It's always great to, um, to you know, make it as a finalist in, in art competitions or exhibitions and for me being involved in any exhibition or, or competition is just purely a way of getting my work out to a bigger audience um, and that's it's one of the challenges when you live in a fairly isolated area I have my own gallery that that's attached to my studio and that's where I make most of my sales but it's also really important to keep getting your work out to a broader public and a, and a broader audience so exhibitions and competitions are a good way to to do that um, but yeah it's it's second year for the Lethbridge Landscape Prize and I've, I've made finalists in both years so you know we'll keep going. 
great result. <laughs> and if someone wanted to visit your gallery up at Beachmont, how would they organise that, Dave? Well, generally, I'm open during the week when I'm working. So usually Monday to Friday, sort of 10 to 4. Um, but it's best to go to my website or phone me um, just to just to make sure that I'm available because yeah. I sometimes go out for walks and things. Um, but yeah, www.davegroom.com is my website. We'll pop yeah, so the link in the show notes for people yeah. so that they can navigate their way if they want to come and see you. It's been fantastic chatting to you. Thanks for your time this morning, Dave. And thank you for running that workshop up at the Binnaburra program. That was really well received. People were um, incredibly positive in their experience. Oh, it's, it was it was great to do. And it's the Art and Nature Science program that Renata's, you know, overseeing is fantastic. And it her is, energy is, is fantastic. And um, and. You know, we, we both had that experience of sort of the creative arts back in the 70s and 80s, and it's nice to see that sort of energy happening again and, and a very diverse mix of, of art programs and science programs this year. So, um, no, it's, it was great to be part of, and hopefully it's something that continues over the years. I agree. Thanks very much, Dave. Okay, thanks very much, Michelle. The producers and artists of the podcast acknowledge the traditional owners of the Binnaburra area and Lamington National Park, the Yugambeh Language Group. We also thank Catherine Slingsby for the podcast theme music, an excerpt from her piece, Sweet Dream. 